Hi, my name is Jesse, and I help business leaders protect their passions. How? I'll tell you, by working with them to protect their business from today's cyber threats. So grab a coffee or whatever beverage you want and tune in for quick tips and important security news that could save your business today on Coffee and Security. Good morning, everyone. Today we have episode 30. Today we talk about some Log4j vulnerabilities that just aren't going away and why some security tools by themselves aren't gonna really save you from that next cyber attack. First of all, my coffee for today, Starbucks breakfast blend at home. Hot, just a little bit of sweetener, so taking it uh, pretty low key today. A little bit bitter, but you know. It's you know, Starbucks, so it usually is. Let's get started with a year in review. It's you know just a couple days till the end of 2021. It's been a really busy year for cybersecurity industry. Let's just talk briefly about some of the big breaches in the news. A lot of you may remember these. Uh, some of you may be hearing this for the first time. So earlier in the year, we had Experian. They had a huge data breach that basically leaked the credit scores of every American, a huge issue, and, and resulted in free credit monitoring for basically everyone in the US. Crazy, crazy time. But an example of a huge company with a lot of sensitive information and an API that wasn't really protected that well. And so very, very interesting chain of events. Uh, we of course had Colonial Pipeline hit by the ransomware, which is a huge one in the news. Kaseya, the company Kaseya, hit by an attack that used their own agents against them to push out ransomware for their clients, which are managed service providers or IT providers. And then again, to push out ransomware to those IT providers clients. So the, the, the wave sort of hit massively through third party attack that went through Kaseya to the MSPs to some clients. And there were some large chains of customers or retail customers, et cetera, that were affected by this. And some massive news that sort of shook the trust and software that IT providers use to remotely manage their clients. We had a huge issue with Exchange. It's been a massive year for Exchange where Proxy Long On and Proxy Shell sort of hit and um, basically there was some real immediate dangers there. A feature was supposed to roll out for helping sort of with the micro-patching exchange in the event that this happens, but and for all intents and purposes, I don't, I don't recall ever seeing it working, even with some later issues that happened after the patch was released. So maybe this is a sort of a new, a new thing that's uh, beginning to happen. And it makes you kind of wonder why in 2021, any company is running its own exchange server. If you've got a company that's not an enterprise level company with thousands of users, you probably should consider moving to Office 365. It's, uh, it's time to not have your own exchange server. We had a SolarWinds Orion breach that caused government facilities to freak out, rightly so. Found out that some hackers were persistently in some of these systems for a long time. So obviously a huge issue there. And of course the president, President Biden's administration, stepped up the cybersecurity requirements for government agencies and defined some timelines and then CM CMMC ugh, framework got an update to make it a little bit easier to achieve some of the lower levels and make it a little bit simpler overall. 
So again, huge year in breaches and some uh, security news there. Insurance companies figured out they can't rely on their clients to protect themselves. Huh? What, what do you know? That's a kind of a known thing for anyone in our field. Clients aren't protecting themselves from ransomware and persistent threat actors. And so insurance companies finally wised up to this and said, oh shit, we're losing a lot of money. I guess now this is an explicit episode. You're welcome. And they're requiring attestation from their customers of their insurance policies for basic cyber hygiene. So multi-factor authentication, backups that are resilient to ransomware, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And if you attest to these things and you can't prove later on that you've been actively doing these things with due diligence and, and monitoring and, and keeping these systems up to date and actually using them properly, then they're likely not going to fund your, your insurance claim. And in nearly all cases, this is begun happening. So I don't, I don't think there's many insurance companies out there that aren't doing that attestation anymore. And of course, they're also canceling policies and lowering payouts for ransomware or dropping ransomware altogether from the policies across the board. So there's a lot of massive shift in the insurance industry and this for, for cyber risk insurance. In fact, it's almost impossible for a managed service provider or an IT company to be insured because of all the different risks in the third party supply chain and all the different risks and, and managed service providers not really protecting themselves either. There's a lot of, lot of issue there. We saw a large number of lawsuits and new laws cropping up in 2021 regarding data privacy, regarding ransomware notification or cyber breach notification to the state um, starting to pop up in the US. And we're seeing civil and criminal lawsuits hitting the news as people are sort of getting fed up with companies and their lack of basic cyber hygiene, basic IT hygiene. It's beginning to show that we're holding businesses accountable when they're caught sort of not doing the right thing. Unfortunately, uh, it's sort of after the fact. So I hope that things transition there and we begin to see a little bit more governance ahead of time, which I know the insurance companies are trying to help with. Healthcare took a huge hit this year. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, it's pretty much one of the most risky industries to do business in outside of government or outside of the critical government. As we discovered, healthcare companies, even small doctor practices and physician groups are being targeted. Obviously the data that you have, that they have is, is very valuable and they aren't necessarily complying with HIPAA requirements or basic cybersecurity policies. So it's pretty much an easy walk in the park to get into these environments and get that data. And then of course they sell it on the dark web or whatnot, ransom your data. So anyway, that's your year in review for 2021. Okay, for today in the news, we have another Apache Log4j update. Yay! Apache released another fix to fix a vulnerability that again has remote code execution capabilities, so it's pretty high up there. I don't think it's a 10, but it, uh, last I checked it was like a 6.6 .6 or a 7. Predictions are that this was going to be a long-term issue to fix, this Log4j issue. We would be seeing it for a year to come, years to come, depending on how uh, fast folks are patching it looks like that's gonna hold true. So the issue again affects Log4j2 versions 2.0, beta 7 through 2.17.0, which was the latest update. Their recommendation, update to 2.17.1, if you have Java 8 or later. And there's some different versions if you are not on the latest version of Java, so uh, we'll check out the article in the show notes. And update as soon as possible, of course, to avoid that possible remote code execution attack. 
If you're not sure if you are using Log4j, which is pretty easy because sometimes it's baked into other apps, you may not know that you're affected. There is no such thing as software bill of sale or bill of um, whatever it's called, but it's got your components that are listed in your software, right? So it, it's sometimes hard to know if you're affected. So check out the show notes for a link. There's a couple of articles in here for how to know how to detect if Log4j is running in your environment. I've posted about it before, but I'm post about it again just to so you can uh, catch up and see if you're affected, if you're not sure. Uh, and again, uh, if you're not sure what to do, uh, ask for help. Uh, I mean, there's lots of companies out there that will help you. There are lots of tools out there that you can use. This one's not going away for a while. And if you are affected and don't patch it, you're, you're pretty likely in, to get exploited, to get uh, breached in the future using this uh, vulnerability. It's uh, just that easy to use it. Okay, time for the main course. So having the right tools is necessary, but it's not a complete picture. And um, there's going to be a couple articles in here that I'll post in terms of just kind of extra reading if you want to read about it. But a, a quick quote from LogDNA, 75% of companies are still struggling to achieve true observability, God, I can almost not say that word, despite significant investment in tools. So lots of people, lots of companies are spending a lot of money on tools, but are they the right tools? Are they showing you what you're needing to see? So you can invest millions in tools, but if you're not monitoring them, not tuning them, not understanding what they're showing, what they're reporting, what they're doing, what they're looking for, you're not actively using these tools to look for threats, then you're not getting your money's worth. Uh, they're just tools uh, like a wrench. You know, you're not going to get your money's worth if you leave the wrench sitting in a drawer and check it out every now and then. So let me just tell a couple stories. Uh, story time. Story time. So endpoint protection. Obviously, in 2021, we're way past antivirus. A lot of a lot of insurance policies are still maybe using the antivirus term. If you're still running an old school antivirus, I'm not going to name any names here, but antivirus from 10 years ago, antivirus from five years ago, antivirus from three years ago, it's time to step up your game. You, you need to be running a true endpoint protection product that has endpoint detection and response, or EDR, baked into it. And what we're seeing now, what I'm seeing now, I mean, a lot of IT departments and IT service providers or companies are deploying EDR-like solutions uh, such as Sentinel-1, CrowdStrike, but they're not really doing what needs to be done once it's in place. So they're sort of treating it like upgraded antivirus. Okay, at a base level, I'm happy to see this because it's still better than antivirus. But you really have to do more and maintain it in order for it to be what it needs to be for your business for, or for your clients' businesses. So what needs to be done? Well, you need to properly maintain the software. That means the back end of the software, you know, the policy systems, configurations, alerts, notifications, all of that you need to stay up to date with those features and the capabilities of what you're doing and be using all of those capabilities properly, okay? you need to be deploying it securely. So make sure that you're not causing any issues by not configuring it correctly. And there are lots of um, different configuration guides for Sentinel One or CrowdStrike that should help. Or there are some companies, I think maybe even these companies that will help you with onboarding to make sure that you're deploying it securely. You need to be monitoring for and assessing security incidents. 
that these platforms are producing. Uh, they're not going to close themselves and they will be there. There will be some false positive, there will be some false negative, there will be some things that you just need to look at. There'll be actual threats that you need to review, suspicious information that's in that product. And if you're not checking it regularly, and this is what a lot of them fail to do, then you're going to miss an incredible amount of information, possibly delaying resolving an attack that's happening in, in your, one of your customer's environments. You can't just set it and forget it. This is not an autopilot situation. Autopilot is a great tool, but it is not effective at doing everything that it, that it, a plane needs. Okay, you need to assess vulnerabilities in your environment. You can't just let it attack them and pass that on to someone else to fix or patch something. You need to truly understand and prioritize vulnerabilities that are in your environment, okay? You need to locate and protect these unprotected systems and devices. You need to threat hunt. Okay, so you need to be looking for threats. News bulletins go out for active threats, i.e. log4j. You need to use these tools to understand if your customer's environments are impacted by things like log4j or other massive threats that are out there, or vulnerabilities that are out there, or if any suspicious activities happening that maybe hasn't been flagged yet by EDR. There's a lot involved, but make sure that you're using your endpoint protection, your EDR tools like you should be, okay? And if you don't have the stats for it, which totally is understandable, a lot of IT departments, a lot of IT managers are, are, are underpaid, under budgeted for, then you need to work with someone else. You need to either hire additional people or you need to look at these managed detection and response services that are provided by, there's a ton of different security providers out there that are doing it now to help maintain and monitor your systems and make sure you're ready for that incident that's gonna happen. Okay, story number two. So we've got some lots and lots of folks are moving their businesses into Microsoft 365's cloud. That's Office 365's old name. They're moving their emails, their collaboration, their chat, their video chat, their, maybe their phone systems and their file storage and collaboration there into the cloud. That's fantastic, especially for smaller businesses. This has been a game changer for, work, for running your business in the cloud and not having to purchase servers to run on-prem on your site. So it's a huge deal. But what happens when you move to 365 and you never configure it properly? Or those many different audit logs that Microsoft 365 produces are never reviewed? Well, I'll tell you what happens. What happens is you get breached and you don't know why. Or you get breached and you don't have the capabilities to understand and get the scope of the breach because of some poor security configuration or because you're not looking at those logs to see that someone from China has successfully logged in 50 times to your CEO's mailbox. These things are there, but they're never reviewed. And this again is a right tool, not properly configured, not properly monitored. So there's a mountain of data stored in 365 in each tenant, so each customer tenant, that's available to help security teams understand when something like that's happening. There are audit logs such as account changes, like uh, password changes, new user accounts, port, um, you know, removed user accounts, uh, disabled user accounts. A big one is new administrative rights and permissions changed in some way in your environment. 
mailbox changes like forwarding mail rules or uh, mail forwarding for the mailboxes even. So you've got lots of things like that. Logins, just regular login logs, risky logins. So 365 and Azure Active Directory try to help you understand if a login is risky, which I think requires some extra licensing. Device connections by location, geolocation, etc. So there's a ton of audit logs out there that you need to be monitoring 24 7, 365, <laughs> no pun intended, all the time. Some of the most common issues that I've seen, that we've seen, is failure to properly set up the security settings. So Microsoft 365 has some built-in security for mail, for authentication, for multi-factor authentication, for file storage, for teams that need to be properly configured in your environment. And then after that, you need to monitor for changes. Anything that's changed in terms of new features or security feature changes that are recommended, or maybe something was maliciously changed, you need to be monitoring for any kind of changes like that in, in every customer tenant, and then update security settings again as needed once these happen. And then I've seen failure to use that log data to identify security threats. So it's likely in a password spray attack, okay? You've got a customer who's used passwords across multiple different services. Well, here you go. So people are attempting to log in using those credentials they found from another website, and eventually what's gonna happen is they've tried 500 times and they find 501 was successful. Well, there were 500 missed failed login attempts using passwords for, for an account that maybe didn't have multi-factor turned on and you just didn't see them because you weren't looking for them. And then this, like everything else, if you're not sure what to do, ask for help, get help. Again, there are managed detection and response services out there provided by providers, very cheap nowadays. To, to be on top of this and to help your team discover these issues before they turn into breaches. So get help if you need it. Okay, so I think I hammered that one home enough. Right tools, set up the right way, use the right way, and make sure you understand what those tools are doing. Don't get a hundred different tools for endpoint security and leave the network unmonitored and undetected. Don't get a hundred network security tools when really your endpoints aren't even at the office and you're not deploying them anywhere where you're at. So make sure you understand what the tools are doing, what tools are needed, and deploy the right set of tools to achieve a certain goal. Okay, like maybe ransomware prevention. All right, so if anything 2021 has taught us, we need to hit reset and start with the basics, okay? Know where your company is at, the cybersecurity state, your grade. Know where you need to be. And you can use frameworks and compliance requirements and guidance from different security experts and tools. There's some tools that may just help you discover where you need to be. Um, they'll make it easier, right? Some cybersecurity consulting firms like us are developing what we call tactical frameworks, which I just love that word, tactical frameworks, which is a tool basically that we're creating to distill the hundreds of recommended NIST security controls down to the top 30 most critical for a certain purpose. And so we'll do, for example, anti-ransomware framework, email phishing framework, HIPAA healthcare framework, business and finance framework. So we're developing these tactical frameworks to make it easier for unregulated industries, especially, but also for some regulated industries, because again, compliance does not equal security. So you need additional security that compliance isn't necessarily going to talk about or require, but we're making it easier for businesses to understand what they need. So then we can draft a plan and a gap analysis, of course, to take some small steps 
to get to where they need to be. Focusing, of course, on the most critical elements first. Thanks for tuning in today. Hope you have a fantastic and safe new year and you spend time with family. Have a great rest of your year and uh, we'll, we'll be back in, well, next week and next year in 2022. Hopefully we'll have some new changes and some new exciting uh, guests next year. And well, we'll see you then. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode new shows twice a week follow our podcast tell your friends like share all the things if you found this helpful let's get the word out to the masses so small businesses can better defend themselves from cyber threats for more information and for personalized consultation <laughs> head over to our website at insula.tech that's i-n-s-u-l-a dot tech and look for the contact us link or check the show notes for a direct link <laughs>